When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening on this Monday, December 16th, the Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. It is uh, a little bit before we still head out to Orlando when Notre Dame takes on Iowa State, and there's not going to be a lot of talk about Iowa State versus Notre Dame today. I'm not sure that we even had a question about that. Maybe we did as we look forward to, of course, the play calling and the decision-making on game day with the uh, firing uh, and or decision by Chip Long to leave Notre Dame. Handling the offensive coordinator duties will be Tommy Reese and Lance Taylor. Brian Kelly, of course, will be more involved in that decision-making, and we do want to get into all of that uh, in this segment and with questions in segment two. But first, we want to touch upon a couple other things. The echoes were on Friday night, and then we also have the early signing period uh, this week on Wednesday when we expect a minimum of 17 and possibly 18 recruits to sign with Notre Dame. First of all, Tim, let's talk about the echoes. Um, I was there the other night. Um, just some of your thoughts on the award winners. I agree more than I ever have with the uh, 10 years of Brian <clears throat> Kelly's echoes with the award winners. I would flip out. I had Eichenberg over Hainsey when I did our evaluating the roster. He played 12 games, and Hainsey, of course, has been out since the Duke game in Notre Dame. Played really good football in November without Hainsey. I think Hainsey probably would have been our choice had he made it through the had year. Had he made yeah. it through the year, um, yeah. Moose Krause Award going to Aquara in eight and a half games. I mean, the thing is, you you got to, you know, they're trying to find awards for everybody that's a graduating <laughs> senior, and you already used Jameer Jones in the right spot and Khalid Kareem and, of course, Defensive Player of the Year. So I don't have a problem with that. Maybe MTA is the only other option at that point. Chase Claypool mentioned in October he was the best player on the team. He's the team MVP by the time November, mid-November rolled around. He rightfully won the award. That's the sixth sixth season in Brian in the last 11. So five out of Brian Kelly and Golden Tate. Six out of 11 wide receivers won the award at Notre Dame. That's something you would not uh, have no, thought about in the past. No, prior to the Charlie Weiss era, yeah. I mean, it wasn't Shark going won to, it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won one. Right, right. It wasn't, that wasn't going to be the case. Hey, it's somebody, you know, I, I tweeted out that um, – uh, Julian O'Quara won the uh, Defensive Lineman of the Year, uh, Moose Krause Lineman of the yeah. Year award, and some people were surprised, and I just responded, patience, because I knew that Khaled Kareem was going to be named the, the uh, Defensive Player of the Year. It's like in uh, 2012 when Zeke Mata was Defensive Player of the Year. Manti was on the team, but you're not going right, <laughs> to right. the MVP exactly. of the team. But they gotta, exactly. you got to find awards for people. I uh, just bounce around a little bit here. Irish around the bend, which is the – the player that, that made the greatest contributions in the community, Jalen Elliott, won that award. Scout team player of the year offense, Brendan Clark. Defense, Isaiah Foskey. Uh, Walk-on player of the year, Mick Asaf. No surprise there. Newcomer of the year offense, Jared Patterson. Father Lang, Iron Cross Award. That's a, a, a weight room award, so to speak. Asmar Bilal. Chris Fink was a Rockney student athlete. Petrosani Award to Sean Crawford, which is... <laughs> 
absolutely perfect because there's a couple easy ones to give out. That's one. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the player that best exemplified courage and leadership and all the things that Nick Petrosani did, a running back back in the late '50s. No, I didn't cover him. Um, Robert Hainsey, offensive lineman of the year, as you mentioned, humble and hungry award to Trevor Rulin. Special teams player Bo Bauer. You probably could have given it to one of the kickers, uh, but Bo Bauer is tremendous. Impact player of the year on defense, Alohi Gilman. Offense, Cole Komet. Running back, uh, Tony Jones Jr. Next man in, Jameer Jones. Also That's another, the other obvious. <laughs> another obvious one. I think he won that in the second half against Virginia. Yeah, yeah, over. he did. And then uh, continued on with that the rest yeah. of the year. Uh, newcomer of the year, defense co-winners, Drew White and Kyle Hamilton. Um, Khalid Kareem. Khalid Kareem, the defensive player. Ian Book, the offensive player. And Chase Claypool, the most valuable. I, not a, no, no, no real very, arguments Really there. well done. Sometimes um, I have arguments, too. This is, I don't have an argument. Yeah, well, because we know that they're trying to fit yeah, awards. Yeah. Basketball does the same thing, and it's almost kind of comical in certain situations. I did want to, um, and then briefly I want to jump into, uh, Tim, the, uh, the players that are going to be signing this week. I mentioned the 17 that we anticipated, and um, there's some really good ones there. Yeah. There was concern about whether they would be able to hold on to some of the offensive players with the news about Chip Long, Chris Tyree, <coughs> Michael Michael Mayer, and, and Xavier Watts were the ones that were mentioned most prominent, prominently. They've all talked to our guys, um, Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair, and they're all signing. I, I like this class quite a bit. Um, you had Isaiah prior to the class for two years as well. They can help, and it's a good roster. Next year, it's a uh, we, we mentioned how this year's roster, the developed players weren't quite as good as last year's, and it proved true. You just lost too many. It happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're building to the point where they can, if you know, assuming Book and Comet stay, you have a better roster next year than you had this year because you've developed some guys from within. You're starting to get players coming up. Now you lose a defensive end more than you gain in promise because they were just so good in Jameer Khalid Kareem, Jameer Jones, and Aquara in that order. I would say. Dalen Hayes has to be healthy for them to be as good as we think they can be, but they're still very strong there, and they're getting stronger with what they're bringing. Yeah, they, I, I they, love those classes. They really are in this class. I mean, we will be uh, there. Will be four of us rating them one through eighteen or one through seventeen, uh, and so you'll see what our collective opinions are. I think those are, they're not going to be all over the board. I think, like always, once you get past the first. In seven, I think, then you then it starts to get... You in know, a smaller be, class, will be closer than usual. When you have those 24, 25, you go from 17 to 25. Yeah. You have no idea who's going to rate where. But these guys, yeah, once you... Last year, we all agreed, I think, including Pete Sampson, we hit about eight. This The class that just... You know, the Isaiah Foskey's class, you hit right. about eight, nine. You're like, there's no way you can rank anybody above these eight guys. And then it becomes personal preference. Yeah, and I think my order will definitely be different than... Like twenty four sevens order ranking, but the but twenty four sevens ranking right now, um, I mean I think these guys will all be in our top. I want to say seven. We'll count them up as we go here. Chris Tyree, Jordan Johnson, Michael Mayer, Tosh Baker, Jordan Botello. I don't have Carmody in my top seven, but I do have Riley Mills, and Xavier Watts as a three star is a bit comical, about as comical. Well, maybe not quite as comical as it was when Kyle Hamilton was originally rated a. A three star, but I guarantee you that Xavier Watts is in my top seven. And, yeah, and actually, he's higher. He's higher than he's higher than that. Um, 
you know, and then you get into Alford, Bartleson, and Lewis, which I think are kind of a can be ranked uh, anywhere. And Jay Brunel, who I really think is he's I understand why he's a three star. I do think he's underrated. Uh, but just, I, you get why he's a three star. Absolutely, yeah. no, absolutely. And then you have Alexander Ehrensberger, who, being in Germany, we don't know the level of competition, but we think that he's got a chance to be pretty good. You know what? He has the best position coach you can have to become pretty good. That he, uh, yes, defensive ends at that <laughs> position um, are are very very good. So you know we will have that uh, later. We'll also have grades uh, when it comes out on Wednesday. I don't think Notre Dame are they having? They're not having a gathering for that, are they? That was the original intention that they weren't. I'm not sure that it's they such are. Such a weird world we live in now, where it it's really not is. a big circus like yeah, it used to be. It really I, is. I prefer that world. <laughs> I no, I do too. And and we'll have a question in segment two about um, um, early signing and what our thoughts are on that. Can we squeeze in a minute or two about Iowa State here? I, Nothing's happened since we talked about them last. No, so no, no. <laughs> but but I did finish a film review on them, and I and I really think that you know we mentioned how well coached we think they are, and I think. I thought it was interesting that Nordame did or Nordame, uh, ESPN did their Bull Mania show. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. And uh, the gentleman's name is escaping me now. That 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 put his one through forty, but he had Notre Dame, Iowa State at number one in his confidence poll. Really? And he took Iowa State. Really? Yeah. I did not have a chance to see yeah. that. Number one. Uh, McElroy, Greg uh, McElroy. Uh, is that who it is? Yeah. How what what is the reasoning for Iowa State to be number one in your confidence pool? No, I mean no, forty through one. Oh, for being the lowest. No, being the lowest. Okay. Forty that's being makes the highest. A pretty big difference. No, no, no. no. The, like, the you number, know something we don't. If that's no, the, the, the last, no, last in. I wouldn't selection. go that far either. I wouldn't go no, that far no, either. But it's better than the other. Than even if I was you, thinking, yeah. even if you were to pick Iowa State, I wouldn't put that as a, a lowest confidence pick. No, because it's a three and a half points. Per, I can see. I don't anticipate Iowa State beating Notre Dame, but I, I can either. see that if Notre Dame misses their mark, especially if the play calling isn't as sharp as you would like it to be. Well, we like to play this game when Notre Dame is playing against a much better team, so let's do it the other way. After the chip long firing or releasing, mutual releasing of, fire, yeah. of firement, do you? There's four outcomes. Okay, Notre Dame wins handily. Notre Dame wins close. Iowa State wins handily. Iowa State wins close. I am still on Notre Dame handles them. Okay, Iowa State never loses by a lot. I am still on Notre Dame handles them. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But and, I have and, now I don't, flipped, and I don't disagree with that. But I have now flipped away from the second most likely being Notre Dame wins close because of the loss of an offensive coordinator and what happens in a program when then you have to adjust to these things to Iowa State pulling the upset as my number two. Because I feel like if Notre Dame isn't just much better than Iowa State like I think they are on game day, then it was affected by what's going on with, Chip, with the firing of Chip Long. In other words, you don't. You're well, not plus, just looking plus, at the best team plus, every bowl game, right? Plus the disappointment of being yeah. At the there's, bowl there's a too. million things that go on a bowl game, and now there's a million and one, and it's on the field, kind of. You know, it's it's, it's, it's between a, the headsets. It's probably a million and five. Yeah, it's uh, because right because of, of that. right because of that. I but still think Notre Dame winning is the most. Likely, I do too, but, but but there is no um, there is no reluctance on Iowa State's part to be there. They're, no, they're in no, a bowl game no. playing Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean they're going to be they're going to be geeked with for the opportunity. It is the second only of it's the pinstripe bowl is by far the only one you had no. It, it didn't even help that you won, other than you didn't lose. I wouldn't go that far with this one because it's win either. number eleven. But it's not. But it's still. Florida State and Miami back in the early stages were still more important to Notre Dame fans than this one. No, I, the program. I, I would agree, yeah. but I but I would I I'm hoping that people understand that a win over Iowa State 
there is, in addition to the 11 wins, there is significance. It's a good, solid, well-coached football team with a quarterback that is going to throw it all over the yard. Now, fortunately, Notre Dame has a, you could say, a great uh, pass defense when you add everything up or very, very, very good. Uh, but, I think very good because they just didn't play enough great enough okay, passing attacks. Okay, to I be, agree with that. Know, I, especially down the stretch, yeah. I, w- I would I would agree with that. But we know I we know the Cyclones will be geeked to play Notre Dame, and so Notre Dame has to come ready to play. I think they will. I think there's enough. I think there's pride built up in this program that regardless who you're playing. Rutgers probably being the exception, and that was a while ago. I don't know that the pride. That's a different world for it. Was, it was yeah. a totally different world than it is now. This is a this is a feel good program right now that is continues to be uh, ascending in a lot of respects. Not that I want to harp on the pinstripe bowl, but that was Alabama to Rutgers. There's just no bigger gap in what you're doing this season than playing for the title. I, I agree, and I've basically wiped it out of my mind that it ever <laughs> happened. So, close in the fourth quarter. You remember yeah. that? Here's the three point game. It was, quarter. but it didn't feel it like didn't it. Think Rutgers it did is terrible. Not, that's it why. did not. It did not feel like that. Um, I mean, I, we have so many questions on Chip Long. I think we should just go yeah. ahead and, and wait till segment two to deal with that. We are going to try to address every angle. We had a ton of questions. I couldn't take them all. Uh, we'll try to address every angle as it applies to uh, Chip Long no longer being the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Segment two coming up. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Irish Illustrated Insider Segment 2, Burning Up the Boards. We start with a question from CMU Pens fan. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that Brian Kelly made the change on Chip Long? At least 9. I did not think he would make the changes here on Chip Long. Knowing everything Ooh. I knew about it, I did not believe it would happen. Oh, The I'm... change. Make the change. I'm not saying how, how surprised am I that it was considered. 1. How surprised am so I that nine he did being, it? So 9 being shocked. Shocked. Okay, I'm... I'm not there. I just I, was, I thought he would consider it and think, I'm not changing. The offense is good. If I get Ian Book I get, to stay, I, who cares what no, other players I, think? I, I, yeah, yeah, I get all that. But knowing the changes that he made in the program after 2016, he'd be a complete hypocrite if oh, he didn't listen to his players. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, see, I would have put, I put it like around a four or five. I was stunned. I, making them, pulling the trigger is what I'm talking about. It all comes down to that, right? Well, it does. And, and. I mean, we're going to get into some other questions, so I don't want to answer too yeah. many questions ahead of time. But but Chip Long played a role in this. To, sure, to, sure. To think that to think that this was completely one sided, or that I mean, in either direction is is inaccurate. Ultimately, it was a Notre Dame decision. I, I think. I mean, I th- we we concur with that. Yes, there's a million questions on there. That. Are, so this is there, straight up. I was surprised. Look, I'm impressed that he did what he believed is 100 percent best for the program. Now we'll see if in we're the wake of a, of a good coach, it, he's right. a harder guy to get rid of because of the production in the position. Now I understand in their five losses or six losses under Chip Long as an offensive coordinator, they average thirteen points a game, but all the wins count where they average thirty-eight or thirty-nine points a game too, right? Yeah, absolutely. The expectation that an offensive coordinator is going to nail it every week yeah. is is absurd. Uh, I mean, 
Michigan's scoring defense average, it's not just because of what they did against Notre Dame. It's, it's what they do against everybody else, too. So, And I do want to reference what you said. Except the, Ohio State. The changes he made. The changes he made to help the program after 2016 absolutely 100% had to be done. Right. This kind of was just the right thing now, to do. Now, we have other questions yeah. that will address some of the other changes that we feel he needs to make, and that may not be quite as readily made. Including Grumpy Leprechaun. Can you put to rest the rumors that Long quit over Quinn or... Gave Kelly an ultimatum. He put I'm, those in quotes. I, I, we're not in a position to say he, quote, quit over Quinn or, quote, gave Kelly an ultimatum. But it absolutely was a was a topic that, that Chip Long brought up with him, and he had great problems moving forward with Jeff Quinn as the offensive line coach. That's just that's just fact. That's just true. Which we would we concur. I, we both have a problem that Jeff Quinn would stay as the offensive line coach. But I, I want to get into this a little bit. Chip Long had a problem with it a couple years ago. I wonder if he was ever able to let it go. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you if you think to yourself, I don't want this guy to be my offensive line coach. And then every time there's a problem in the running game and you're play calling and you lose games, you think, I told you I didn't want that guy to be my offensive line coach. If you're just default, defaulting back to he's the problem, he's the problem, he's the problem. Okay, I get that, but it, but we were in agreement. It was we are, we are, we are in agreement this year. But Brian Kelly might not be totally in agreement with us, right? Uh, well, they they're he might be. In, I mean, in order to maximize what roster we think they're going to have next year, the offensive line needs to be better. And I do want to say this because this isn't said enough. They were an extremely good pass blocking offensive line, extremely yeah, yeah. good. Uh, and then books mobility assists in that. I, I get that, but they they fell short as a run blocking unit, and and the right side of the line being injured hurt. But it wasn't like you were putting bums in there. In in you know Trevor Rulin isn't as big as strong and strong as you would like him to be, but he's a technician and he's good. And Josh Lung's lugs a guy that should be good uh, and will be even better now now that he's had that experience. I guess my point was if you're can you get over it enough to not have friction on the staff all the time? Like, you can't let that become something that Chip permeates Long, your thoughts. Chip Long, probably not. Right. And that doesn't help either. I'm not, I, we both agree that the offensive line needs to be better. And if I was Chip Long, I'd probably be mad too. But you have to kind of be able to work with what you have too. And maybe he could last year because they kept winning. I, I agree, and it's the responsibility of assist, assistant coaches to get along with coaches. Right. And, I, yes, and, I, that, and, and this notion that was placed out there that – uh, because Chip Long had issues with uh, one of his assistant coaches that that gave him a pass to treat the players poorly or to not communicate well with the players, that's that's nonsense. As a coach, it's your job to adjust to that, and that's a that's a cop out. That is not that's not a reason to justify having communication right. issues with your players. Eddie Davis, too. What made Chip Long a poor fit for Kelly and Notre Dame, and what traits will the replacement and new coach need to possess? Well, it has nothing to do with play calling. No. Um, in fact, Brian Kelly searched. These are the words he used for Chip Long. I was able to compile a very short list of guys that called plays through my eyes. In other words, the way I want my offense to look, and the guy that kept coming to the top of the list was Chip Long, and I believe he fulfilled that for Brian Kelly and actually took it a step further in that he made Brian Kelly's he he completely reined in the we're behind. It's time to throw forty seven times. He did, and that's a concern moving forward. Yeah. Um, there were times is, they chose they could not pass, but it wasn't. A, yeah, a we agree. We agree with the game plan yeah. with Georgia, but I, I, I 
When you said what you just said, Tim, it brought me back to the conversation that I had with Jack Swarbrick, the interview I had with Jack Swarbrick in August where he said Brian Kelly's first comment was, Chip Long and I are in lockstep with the the offense and what direction it should go. Brian Kelly knew that the running game had to be emphasized more. I'm very hopeful that that line of thinking continues moving forward, regardless who is named um, the the play caller and um, offensive coordinator. But Brian Kelly said, he, he did say, you know, there were some things that didn't work as well offensively, but if I had to put a percentage on why Chip Long is no longer the, the offensive coordinator, it would be 3% because of play calling. Right. Whether people agree with that or yeah. not, that's the reality of the situation, how, how Brian Kelly viewed that situation. ND 10-12, with Chip Long leaving, do you see Kelly going back to his love of passing it more, or does he still want to achieve a balance between run and pass? He wants to, but I'll tell you after the hire if I think he'll go back to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, yeah, I would, I would like to think that he's going to be more run oriented since Chip Long got here, but with, with Chip Long no longer being at Notre Dame, I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not sure he is a pass first play caller. He's a yes, he is. Uh, the one thing I think Kelly has remained consistent with is when he has two di- two tight ends that can play, he then scales it back a little bit. When he doesn't, and he has to go yeah. with the three wide, it does it becomes a little bit too much. And we don't have happy. if if they end up choosing Reese and or Taylor, we don't have really any idea how they're going to call a game. Uh, although <laughs> Taylor might have a better idea. Taylor, yeah, Taylor being a running back coach and, <laughs> and Reese being a quarterback coach, you, you you may see some inclinations there. But um, you know, I don't know. These are all. This is all part of what makes our job so fun as we move forward. That we're these are all things that you'll continue to look for clues for and try to decipher what direction they're going. But um, we are in agreement, Tim, that Kelly is a pass-first guy. Yeah. And it, it's, it. It, yeah. And, he he and, likes to make excuses about how we can't pass 600 times. It's not 1989. And did you see on our right, board, I think right, it was Andy mean. Davis yeah. put on Ohio State's rushing attempts this year, 650. Was it really? along those lines. You, you can. You just got to be good at it. That's yeah. the whole point. Stujo11, do you believe Brian Kelly when he says he will seriously consider external candidates for the position? What percentage chance is there that the next OC is someone already inside the Goog? I would say, I think I said this before we started recording, I don't know. (laughs) I would say that there's a higher percentage chance of hiring an external candidate for offensive coordinator than there is of Jeff Quinn no longer being the offensive line coach. And we both feel that the best way to handle this would be Jeff Quinn being the tight ends coach because he is a well-liked member of the recruiting I, staff, and Brian Kelly trusts him in many ways. And he should. And, and, he should, and, and Jeff and, Quinn can help with game plans, too. He did for Brian Kelly you in the want, past. You want, you want Jeff Quinn's personality as part of the staff? Now, he's not going to go back to an analyst if some people want that. But he, he, he I think he's an important part of the coaching staff and, of, and, a, and an asset to the coaching staff, but and I know Brian Kelly be, believes that without the friendship, he has had a lot of success with Jeff yes. Quinn as one of his coaches. I don't blame Brian Kelly for feeling that I want that voice on my staff. But Notre Dame should have one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. I agree. Yeah, that's. A, but I, I, I actually think there's going to be an outside hire. Well, that's why I, I put a higher percentage on that. 
Just I, barely. <laughs> I just we we both like Tommy Reese's future, and we'll get into this as we go along. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Kelly wouldn't have done this if he wasn't ready to look for an outside hire. I would agree. Matty Hebb's 14, in your opinions, is it, quote, in the best interest of the program, unquote, for Brian Kelly to assign a new leader to the offensive line group? I took the start out of this question. We both yeah, believe we so. Yeah, um, and we both believe Jeff Quinn's a valuable commodity yes. for Brian Kelly. He's a, certainly a trusted voice. Everybody I talked to when Quinn was hired because we were so – I guess we were surprised this came from an analyst role and what we had heard that he wouldn't be. We were surprised when Quinn right. got the job that, hey, you know, he's he's a guy that Brian Kelly trusts. This is not surprising to me. It was surprising to us. We thought he'd move beyond that. But we also aren't going to be able to totally argue with the success that the team has had in the two years right. since he made that hire. And we don't – as we learn candidates for the job, we will start discussing that. It's. I think it's a little premature unless, unless I get a phone call this afternoon saying, "Hey, they're looking at so and so." I'm not expecting right. that because, uh, I mean, you just kind of have to. It's like the entire process of the program. You've just got to deal things one step at a time, and you've got to get ready for a football game, and you need to win this football game. You need to win this football. Yeah, game. it'd be a bad way to be and, bad way to lose. There's plenty of time to decide how you want the makeup of the the coaching staff to look after that bowl game. I'm not saying you don't address it until after that bowl game, but I'm saying that can't be on the front burner because there's so you've got the signing day yeah. coming up, which everything seems to be in order there. Uh, but you just have to take it one step at a time. So as we learn that information, obviously we'll be sharing that with you. Joseph Ramaz, when Kelly says he got rid of Long in the best interest of the team, did he mean poor play calling, the quarterback showing lack of progress, poor play design, or Long was holding the offense back in any specific way? Poor play calling, no. Quarterback showed lack of progress. It was a concern at one point, but then he came around. Poor play design, no. I mean, this again, this is the opinion of, this is what our opinion, this is what we think Brian Kelly's opinion is. Uh, and then holding back the offense in any specific way. I mean, I don't really see that as as anything, but there may be some, like when he said, did he agree with everything? No, there may be some things there. And by the relationship that was developed with the players, that could conceivably be something that would hold back the offense in some ways. Yeah, I think the quarterback development early in the season and maybe some players holding back the offense – goes back to the root of the problem in that he didn't believe Long was getting the best out of his players because the way he interacted with his players, the poor way he interacted with so many players. I, You don't call someone back from a recruiting trip because you suddenly realize that I don't like the way you set up your pass routes and your poor play design. I mean, this was something they couldn't get past. Right. Well, Samson asked about, you know, play calling and – offensive de- design or what I don't know exactly what the words were and and Brian Kelly shot that down yeah, immediately. It's, it's, so it's not it's not about that. It is interesting the way it's worded though. Quarterback showed like a progress can be part of the interaction between absolutely. the quarterback and the offensive no, absolutely. coordinator and the and the backup quarterback too. Well, that opens up a whole new world. There's a happy man taking finals this week as a uh, sophomore on campus, but he'll be sad if and when he finds out that Ian Book's coming back for oh, next year. Still good. No, <laughs> I mean, but no, oh, you're saying no. Ian Book could have left if in, under the situation, but I don't think he's going to leave no matter what. I think Ian Book had gotten past whatever he had to get past with Chip Long. I'm still not ready to rule out Book leaving. Yes, because uh, I don't even I don't know if it's up yet today or uh, 
Yeah, it is. Our draft, yep. our, our, our draft analysis with Dan Schunk of our lads, and he talked about how after the first three quarterbacks, um, did I leave out? I did leave. Uh, I didn't leave out Tua. Anyway, um, they know Tua's good. Yeah, they know Tua's good. Uh, he felt like you can throw them all. You, I, I include Hurts. That's what I did in her instead of Tua. That's incorrect. I'll change that. But uh, after the first three quarterbacks, he said uh, Dan Shanka said everybody's wildly inconsistent. So maybe it's a good time for Ian Book to jump. But I, I'm, I'm going to rule it out a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I don't think it's. I think he's coming back. But uh, Brian Kelly, uh, you should never take Brian Kelly at his word in a pre-bowl press conference where there's you know because he can't. He can't give you definitives on this. When he said, I know what's coming back and what's not, and it reiterated how often, how much they're going to be a very, very, very good football team next year, he would not have done that if Ian absolutely. Book was leaving. That was, that was absolutely That's, my first instinct. Unless that he, he would just not... did it to get through the press conference. No, I don't think no, no way. That was, a, that was a statement with the idea in mind that Ian Book's coming back. Kaiser Wilhelm, did Chip Long's coaching style contribute to Michael Young's decision to transfer? And if so, would, could the staff convince him to return? I don't, you know, I don't think... I don't think Michael Young responded well to tough coaching, but he's not coming back, and it, it he's not coming back. He's not he he decided to leave Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's not going to be cool with that. Brian Kelly and I quote, "I'm not good at talking guys into staying." That was Shaq Evans, who was a little bit better than Michael Young. Well, and he should he should feel that way. I agree. I'm <laughs> not I'm not saying he should never be f- flexible no. on that, but. As a rule, he left his as team during the Michigan coach. week. Absolutely. <laughs> why would you want him back? No, ab- absolutely. Also, his last name's not Floyd. It's Young. That's why you don't care if he comes back. <laughs> yeah, Kay Beasley. Could Ian Book pull a Joe Burrow with a new offensive coordinator, returning offensive line, and assuming a big win versus Clemson on, on a 12 and 0 team next year? Could, big jump. That's wow. I'd cool like to account. see Ian Book pull a November Ian Book against Wisconsin. We can go from there. Yeah, he I I for me to start throwing around Joe Burrow, I'd, he'd have to grow three to four inches, I think three inches probably to reach his height. I Joe Burrow <laughs> was absolutely spectacular this season. Uh, I can't I can't go that far. No, I don't either. <laughs> I just want Ian Book to be the best Ian Book he can be, and if he is that, they'll be could beat Wisconsin. Then they'll beat Wisconsin yeah. and and have Clemson at home, right, right where you would hope to be. Irish gambler with an exclamation point. Sean Crawford returns. How does he best fit in 2020? Uh, we expect Sean Crawford to, refer, to return for six years. He shouldn't have, boy, if the NCAA disallows that. That's as clear cut <laughs> as it gets. That's to just uh, seed from the union that happens. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, Sean Crawford, is, that is so significant. I mean, he he's a starting cornerback once again. You have the flexibility with the nickel. The stuff at safety, I imagine, still comes into play if yeah. you're losing your two starters. Keep them off special teams at this point so you don't kill them. Let's put it this yeah. way. If Gilman returns, which we don't expect to happen, uh, Sean Crawford probably doesn't have to dabble in safety anymore. No. Unless somebody no. were to get banged up or they want that third option there. Well, you have Pryor. As a, I would as like strong... to see Pryor and Griffith under Clark Lee for nine months and not have to worry about Sean Crawford doing triple duties. No, no doubt. No doubt. But you, you're open-minded with Crawford because he's been so good in the nickel. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully get through that bowl game healthy and, and then declares. And it's a, you have a, a really, really nice wild card for you moving forward. Question from Keenan1W. How active will Notre Dame be with grad transfers? Looking at the roster, it seems to me Notre Dame currently trending towards 
uh, 80-ish by the scholarship number-wise. By the time we play Navy and after Ramon uh, Henderson, the 2020 recruiting board seems non-existent. I think Kelly answered it for this year when he said looking into it, we, they, they can't just... A lux, luxury they, tax. Yeah, they don't... Ha- it's, uh, it's not trying I mean, to I wouldn't, 80. That's... 80-ish. Yeah, but 80-ish is a well, long way maybe, from 86, maybe eight, you know? 80s, yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't close my mind completely to it, and he said he wouldn't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. Oh, I, I wouldn't. I, so there. Either, I mean, but. so there's probably always room for one, right? Yeah. And if there were one, where would you turn to? I mean, I know. I know people want like alternatives at running back, but I think that they're going to. They're going to bring Tyree in. They're in. They're in good shape moving forward after this recruiting class at running back. You know, I mean, they feel they feel. Good. We haven't even seen Kyron Williams, although I don't think he's an explosive back. They feel good about where Flemister and Smith are headed, yeah. a healthy Jafar Armstrong. And maybe Tony Jones. And maybe Tony Jones. So I don't think it's there. Uh, a cor- Now, a corner, right? I would bring in a corner. A, cor- a, corner, a corner as a grad transfer, that would make sense. Right now you're looking at Sean Crawford, who has missed more years than he's played, 3-2, to two. Um, and Tariq Bracey, who is the natural career arc is proper. That's the, He's on the correct career arc, Tariq Bracey. Yeah. That's two guys. Then there's a rookie, K.J. Wallace, who they like and got time, and a rookie, Isaiah Rutherford, who we finally heard some good stuff about yes. recently, but got no time, right. and that does mean something, that he he was not able to play <laughs> at all when they're throwing everybody out there for a few Right, games. but remember, Braden Lindsey didn't sure. play at all yeah, last year, and Lawrence Keyes didn't play at all last year. But Braden Lindsey didn't have to start this year and play a huge role. Very so, true. And then the three freshmen coming in, if two of the three hit, they're not all hitting. It's not rookie year. Right, one of them plays safety. I'm not ready to say who that is. No, they, or, someone's going to hit, but not in 2020. No. They, why would they be better than K.J. Wallace? No, true. Well, with maybe a little bit more length. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Program, yeah, I don't, I, to, to me, of the three, the, the one that I like the most is Offord. And he might yeah. be the best qualified to play safety as well. But I don't want to give up on him at corner. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, but we're in agreement. <laughs> That a grad transfer cornerback would uh, could be beneficial. to Is there that. a Cody Riggs out there? Wow, that would be that would be awesome if there was. Where are we at? <laughs> uh, R Wild underscore Scout. How much of a factor will the bowl game offensive success be in determining whether are we going to call? They listed him as Tommy Reese. I want to stop saying Tom Reese and just say Tommy Reese. That's how they list him at Echoes. Yeah. Tommy Reese. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to start the question again. How much <laughs> of a factor will the bowl game offensive success be in determining whether Tommy Reese or Lance Taylor will be named the full-time OC moving forward? Hopefully not much. Um, and we don't think Lance Taylor is going to be involved in calling plays. I believe. But just I heard this when Long was fired, yeah, not, that not, Tommy Reese will be the play caller with Brian Kelly setting up the play. I'm not, like, ready, that's to, one I'm not ready to source. say that yet. but It's one great source, but that's one great source only. And it was when Long was fired. Going forward for the bowl game is Kelly Reese, but I did write the story that we expected Reese to yeah. be, and I would still say that there's a higher percentage of that happening. I hope I hope that is not heavily involved in determining whether or not you continue your search for a full time offensive coordinator. Oh, you mean if he calls a good game yeah. in the in the in the um, Camping World Bowl? 
I mean, do you think I mean, obviously, no, if you, be, obviously it, they score ten points, it's going to damage yeah. it more than if they no, score forty. No, but if they but. score forty-five, it's a factor because that's a pretty good defense that you're scoring forty-five against. Not that there haven't been offenses that have scored forty-five against them this year, and a good defensive mind you're scoring that against. Yeah, that comes no, that would be it's a it's a really good challenge for for Tommy Reese against Joe Haycock. He's a good he's a good defensive coordinator. He is he is very much the reason why. When their defense is good, it's good, more so than just ability and athletic talent on Iowa State defense. Completely related by Irish Boy 1, if Kelly does not call plays in the bowl game, will Notre Dame beat a big disadvantage with an inexperienced play caller? I think so. Yeah, they were. They were. They would be much better off if this happened after the bowl game. Yeah. Um, no one's making a pro decision or a transfer decision before the bowl game. They'd be better off if they had long. And somebody asked that question on Twitter, and I didn't get it in, that, you know, about the, I, I think it was way to go K-Man about, uh, did I include that? I don't think I did. Um, you know, the timing of this. It's not a perfect world. College football yeah. is far from a perfect world, and the timing um, wasn't great. We talked about, you know, if you're going to wait till after the recruits sign, that's that's disingenuous. And that was the kind of thing, one of the kind of things that Brian Kelly was trying to get away with after 2016 is be more upfront and relate to the players. Yeah. So I didn't like that. But yeah, in a perfect world, the timing would have been would have been after the bowl game, I guess. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way, especially when the media finds out. That's <laughs> yes, that's the real thing. But we were going to find out before the bowl game at some point anyway, right. because he wasn't going to be there. Right. So I mean, I, he was he at the echo. He there are, the echoes, there right? are some media outlets that will sit on that information. This is not one of those. People would have found out when Chip Long didn't present. Anything, right? <laughs> the Echoes Award yeah, Show. But right, right. Maybe not. Maybe not paying attention to that point. I wish I was tailgating. How much did, 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 did we did that? Denver Maximus, who was the bigger disappointment this year, Ian Book or Julian O'Quara? Well, we had O'Quara as the best player on the team, and he would not have been there even had he kept playing through 12 games. I guess Ian Book, when Julian O'Quara got hurt, Ian Book wasn't all that high on my list either. So maybe that's not fair to O'Quara. But I expected, I think I wrote in the preseason like, Aquara's bulletproof for this. There's no way he doesn't have a good year where Ian Book could, I could see, not having a good year. He wasn't bulletproof. There isn't bulletproof, no. I guess. I don't know why he fell off. I mean, I don't, you know, he had he had 12 tackles at the bye week. I mean, and four of them were sacks. So yeah. he had a... So, I don't remember him excelling against Michigan there. So, he had, so. he had eight tackles against the run. In six games, I, I he he was better than people want to give him some credit for. In that he he did he did apply pressure, he did make impact plays. Yes, yes. but he's the bigger disappointment. I mean, he also didn't get a chance to have this November to yeah, remember, like, 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 Ian like Book, everybody, yeah, like November everybody. to barely remember. I guess for people this year, but uh, Ian Book had a great November, and Julian Aquara got hurt in November, and Aquara. How could you not think Julian Aquara was going to be one of the best players on the team? And he clearly was. Well, he's the third best defensive end they had this year. Think of that. <laughs> he was. Jameer Jones was better than Julian Aquara. Well, he might have been the fourth. Yeah. Ogun Deji. Oh, no, you're right. He was. I was thinking Hayes for his four games. But, no, <laughs> he was the fourth best defensive end Notre Dame had this year. He wins. Or loses. He loses. <laughs> however you want to put it. We've kind of zipped through these questions a little bit. But we have uh, uh, FL, I'm assuming that's Florida, uh, FL Irish 76. How do you feel about the early signing period? Would it benefit schools and recruits to change it from December to August? It would let recruits focus on their senior year, and schools don't have to worry about poaching. If a recruit isn't ready to commit, he still has till February. It's worked out pretty well. 
I think, uh, the, I yeah. think the coaches they love like, it. Yeah. I think it's better where it is, actually. Because it, I understand, I do understand the point. I'm not like totally refuting the the notion. I do, but you're. I mean, there's give and take. If if you if it's in August, you're like in August. What you've already opened camp. You don't want to be. You don't want to be dealing with. <clears throat> you don't want to be dealing with that as camps opening. I mean, I, I yeah, see coaches the point. would not want that. I don't. No. Think. I see the point, but I, I don't think anybody in the coaching world is complaining about the way this is set up. No, because you have that December signing day, and then. They sign, and you literally you don't have to worry about them anymore. Do you check on them? Yeah, but you don't have to recruit them anymore. You know, you just keep an open line of communication like you always do with your current players, with guys that are signed, with guys that you're trying to sign. So I think it works just fine, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it is it is also such a relief not to have that extravaganza when 60% of the people you talk about in February is the best day they'll ever have in their lives. <laughs> Football players, you're saying you're relieved. I'm relieved. That's all that matters in this situation. Because <laughs> it's kind of like a warm weather bowl and not, yeah, snowy El Paso. All right, I want to give. Do is there anything else you want to talk about, Tim? Iowa State next time, maybe. Iowa right? State. We will talk about what, for better or for worse. You know, I'm doing uh, film reviews of these guys. I can't get anybody to read anything about <laughs> Iowa State. It's it is going to be. A challenging matchup for Notre Dame. It will be. And, and your point taken, Tim. I think they people will better... get more interested in the bowl game when the bowl is coming They up. will. I get that. And I understand the, the chip long news and everything and the domino effect of that. I I, I get all that. We I do want to, for what this is worth, not that you're going to remember it or write it down or whatever, but our our schedule for, um, podcast, for coming podcast coming up. We'll go again uh, a week from today, which is two days before Christmas on Monday, December 23rd, and then out in Orlando the day before the game, as opposed to two days before the game, what we normally do. So it'll be December 27th. On a Friday, we'll have a podcast. And then rather than try to do one after the game, like we did last year, which was obviously a much more important game, we'll wait till we get back to South Bend uh, for a December 30th Monday podcast. They're all nameless, faceless opponents. Clemson, Iowa State, whatever. Really? Yep. Yeah. Line them up. Yep. Yeah. Stick to the process. I don't think so. All right, folks, thanks for joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider. We will be back with you on Monday, December 23rd. Thanks for joining us. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.